discussing Charles Spurgeon's famous book, Lectures to My Students. And in today's episode, I'd like to talk about the chapter that's titled, The Minister's Self-Watch. You know, every craftsman must sharpen his tools in order for his labor to be effective. About this, Spurgeon said, we, that is we preachers, we are in a certain sense our own tools and therefore must keep ourselves in order. If I want to preach the gospel, I can only use my own voice, therefore I must train my vocal powers. I can only think with my own brains and feel with my own heart and therefore must educate my intellectual and emotional faculties. My own spirit, soul, and body are my nearest machinery for sacred service. My spiritual faculties and my inner life are my battle axe and weapons of war. He then adds a quote that Robert Murray McShane said to a minister friend in a letter. McShane wrote, Do not forget the culture of the inner man. Remember, you are God's sword, his instrument. In great measure, according to the purity and perfection of the instrument will be the success. It is not great talents that God blesses so much as likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. And with that in mind, I'd like to distill Spurgeon's chapter, The Minister's Self-Watch, down into three musts for the preacher. The first is, you must be sure of your salvation. This seems obvious, but it does need saying. There can be no holiness of life unless there is first a regenerate heart. Spurgeon said, true and genuine piety is necessary as the first indispensable requisite. Whatever call a man may pretend to have, if he has not been called to holiness, he has certainly not been called to the ministry. We must take assurance of our salvation seriously. Long before a man can ever ascend into the pulpit, he must first find his place at the foot of the cross and embrace his true identity as a humble sinner in need of the mercy of a Savior. Preacher, have you experienced the new birth? Have you been saved? About this, Spurgeon warns, Believe me, it's no child's play to make your calling and election sure. The world is full of counterfeits and swarms with panderers to carnal self-conceit who gather around a minister as vultures around a carcass. Don't let the semblance of ministry success numb you to the reality of your own lost condition. Just because people may throng to hear you preach don't let that be a proof positive that you know Christ, that you know God. Have you been saved? The Apostle Paul warned of as much when he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. Spurgeon emphasized that the unregenerate preacher is one of the greatest enemies to the gospel. Listen to what he writes. Alas, the unregenerate pastor becomes terribly mischievous too. People go to their place of worship and sit down comfortably and think they must be Christians 
when all the time all that their religion consists in is listening to an orator, having their ears tickled with music and perhaps their eyes amused with graceful action and fashionable manners, the whole being no better than what they hear and see at the opera, not so good perhaps in point of aesthetic beauty, but not an atom more spiritual. Thousands are congratulating themselves and even blessing God that they are devout worshipers, when at the same time they are living in an unregenerate, Christless state, having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Spurgeon concludes this section by warning of the terrible death of an unsaved preacher. He states, Oh, if one must be lost, let it not be in this fashion. To be lost under the shadow of the pulpit is dreadful, but how much more to perish from the pulpit itself. He then quotes a passage written by John Bunyan from Bunyan's book, A Few Sighs from Hell. Listen to this. How many souls have blind priests been the means of destroying by their ignorance, preaching that was no better for their souls than rats bane to the body? Many of them, it is to be feared, have whole towns to answer for. Ah, friend, I tell thee, thou that hast taken in hand to preach to the people, it may be thou hast taken in hand, thou canst not tell what. Will it not grieve thee to see thy whole parish come bellowing after thee into hell, crying out, This we have to thank thee for, thou wast afraid to tell us of our sins, lest we should not put meat fast enough into thy mouth. O cursed wretch, who wast not content, blind guide as thou wast, to fall into the ditch thyself, but hast also led us thither with thee. Number two, you must diligently pursue holiness. Or as Spurgeon put it, our piety must be vigorous. We cannot be content with average spirituality. We must be men who doggedly pursue holiness. This is not legalism. This is an understanding that a great deal of leadership comes by way of leading by example. How can we lead a church to greater heights of spirituality and holiness if we are not going there ourselves? How can we tell others to follow us as we follow Christ if we are not actually following Christ? Spurgeon said of preachers, the highest moral character must be sedulously maintained. Why is holiness so important for the preacher? The ministry is a minefield of temptation. And more so than any other Christian, the preacher must be one who walks circumspectly. Your heads are prized trophies on Satan's wall. He seeks to destroy your testimony and your ministry and your family. Spurgeon warned, Oh, what a conquest will he think he hath got if he can make a minister lazy and unfaithful. Number three, you must be consistent in your ministry and in your personal life. What Spurgeon means is that we must not be different in the pulpit than we are in our own private lives. Do we preach holiness in the pulpit but live a profane life in private? Do we preach Christ to the church crowd but never mention his name to our neighbor? Do we plead with our people to be generous but we ourselves are money-grubbing scrooges? Spurgeon said, True ministers are always ministers. This isn't sanctimony, it's consistency. 
Spurgeon isn't here recommending that we mow our lawns and our Sunday suits. We do not put on ridiculous airs of religiosity, but neither do we put off the uniform of Christ as soon as we step out of the pulpit. No one who meets us in private should be surprised that we are the servants of Christ. Let us be like our Savior, of whom it was said, He was a prophet in deed and word before God and all the people. Spurgeon exhorts us, saying, The life of the preacher should be a magnet to draw men to Christ, and it is sad indeed when it keeps them from Him. In this chapter, Spurgeon has quoted from Robert Murray McShane. He's also quoted from Richard Baxter in his book, The Reformed Pastor. Links to those books are in the episode description. I'd like to close with this quote by Richard Baxter. When your minds are in a heavenly frame, your people are likely to partake of the fruits of it. For your people's sakes, therefore, look to your hearts. And to that I say, amen.